0: Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, uh, grab your notes. We're going to dig in. We're in week five and we're in a series. We're just calling the series Miracles. And what we're doing uh, for those of you that are joining us or joining us uh, online, welcome to you. Uh, I just want to say uh, in this space that what we're really doing is we're having inviting a more robust conversation about faith and about life. We're looking up at the miracles of Jesus. You heard Billy say it a moment ago. Sometimes when you think about the miracles of Jesus, one author says it this way: Sometimes God shows up in our lives, and sometimes God shows off in our lives. Isn't that great? And so that's what we're talking about, but we're inviting in uh, uh, ourselves into a conversation more than just the miracles of Jesus, but really about faith and about life and the intersection of those things uh, together. A lot of us have questions uh, about how faith actually works in our lives, and that was really sort of the underlying, the, the back story, the back drama, if you will, of, of something I wanted to address. I try to take preaching space every year to address issues of faith and how faith develops in our lives how faith grows as a communicator there are often things that i think about that i have to preach about every year try to make it fresh try to make it new faith is one of those subjects forgiveness is one of those subjects and pain and hurt is one of those subjects and so we're sort of looking at all these different things we have a lot of questions but we all want to grow and uh what we want to talk about we all want a faith that is real and and is powerful i don't know about you I don't want to be like a, real, a religious nut. Can I just say that in the room? I don't want to I don't want when when I'm showing up somewhere people are going, "Uh-oh, he's here." <laughs> Do y'all remember that show uh, The Price is Right? Do you remember when they would lose there was that what we they, I call it the loser horn. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and I think about it. I don't want to show up and 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 I get out of my car and it's like <laughs> Dale's here. <laughs> I don't want to be that, but I but I want to um, but I want more faith than oftentimes I see. I I want to have a kind of faith that is real and active, where hope lives. I mean, at some point, what I want to remind everybody in the room, right? Uh, you either got to believe this stuff or not. I mean, there's going to come a point where. We're going to nurture this along, and then we're just going to kind of hand it off to you, and we're going to say, you believe it or not. I mean, that's really what's going on uh, in, this, in this conversation and in this series. And so really, uh, you know, we, we don't want to be religious nuts, but we also want to have every single thing that faith allows. I was reading this week, a Christian author said this, if you want to, you can live on bland food so as to avoid an ulcer. You can drink no tea or coffee in the name of good health. You can go to bed early, stay away from all the nightlife, and avoid every controversial subject so as to never give an offense, mind your own business, avoid involvement in other people's problems, spend money only on necessities, and save all you can, and you can still break your neck on the way to the bathroom. And then then she writes this, and it'll serve you right. Wow. And sometimes when I see faith, I want to, I I just go, man, I I think about why Jesus said sometimes, one time he was sort of looking out over the crowd and he says this in this wistful way. I mean, I think, I think really, you know, sometimes it's hard in the scriptures to really understand. I think it's almost like a lament and Jesus is looking out at the horizon. He's looking out at the disciples and he says this, when the son of man returns, like the second time, Will he find faith on the earth? Now, that's, that's God in human flesh just kind of wondering. And really what I'm wanting to do in this series, I, I'm, wanting, I'm wanting all of us to, to move in our faith and to move forward so that when Jesus is looking at us, he will not say that. Uh, what, what I'm, re- re- what are you after, Pastor Dale? Here's what I'm after. I want to shrink the percentage of that in this series. More of us are stepping into more faith, and we're we're learning what this looks at like. Now, if you're with us last week, uh, we went right at the idea. Of faith and struggle and how we experience this stuff when things don't work out like we'd hoped or planned. We looked at one of the most well-known miracle stories of them all. It's the story of Lazarus. It only appears in the Gospel of John. It's one of the largest miracles, over 40 verses. And we went right at this... uh, story in a very, very powerful way. And I'm just going to say this. I don't often call back, but I got to tell you, if you didn't hear that message, I believe God was in the house in a very special way on both campuses last week. Go back and listen to Pastor Trevor's version. And aren't we thankful for Pastor Trevor, by the way? Man. Uh, I love working with him. And uh, and then I was over on the East Campus and privileged to preach over there. Go podcast both those messages and listen to them. But uh, in this story, I, this is what we were really talking about, the story of Lazarus. It sits at the epicenter, the fault line, watch this, of God's power and our pain. It's the intersection of that really in our world. And a lot of times we have faith, we have doubt. And the story of Lazarus really is the intersection uh, of where Jesus does this incredibly powerful thing, boom, right on the fault line of that. And it's filled with all the pathos that so many of us experience in our lives at difficult and horrible moments in our lives. We have over two examples where Mary and Martha, both of them, I think Martha first and Mary later, said this, this to Jesus basically, Lord, if you'd have been here... I mean, this would have been different. It would have turned out different had you been here. But now as it is, like all, all hope is lost, and what we find in the story, Jesus does this uh, powerful thing. He shows up uh, in the story, and he's listening to all of that drama and all of that heartache, and the Bible says an interesting thing. It says, it says he, he is filled with deep emotion. Now watch this, because he says it says deep emotion. And then, then we get to verse 35, uh, in, in, in the book of John, in that, in that chapter, I think it's John, uh, chapter 10, I think. Don't quote me. And then we get there and, uh, we have the shortest verse in all of scripture it says Jesus wept. So we see deep emotion and we think, oh, he was really sad. It wasn't that. When you translate the Greek, it, it's he was mad. And so, and so really what's going on there in that moment, and I just want to tee back to this because this is relevance for where I want us to go there. It's like in this moment of madness, this is what Jesus says. He says, take me there. And so they walk him down to the grave. And we learn in that moment that Jesus wants you to take him to the moment of your deepest, the, the, the place of your deepest Question your deepest loss, your deepest tragedy. He, he wants to be invited right there. And then, man, I just tell you, it just fills me with emotion every time. He just, in this wonderful moment, and then he cries, he has compassion. He's there. And then he says, take that stone. Lazarus, come out. And he just stumbles out in his grave clothes. And what we're learning in that moment is that Jesus sees us. We're heard. He understands. You ever wondered? He sees you. Isn't it good to be known? Uh, this week, I, you know, many of y'all know, and you're praying for me. I appreciate your prayers and your cards. I'm working with a throat issue. I keep telling people I'm going through puberty. Nobody gets it. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for that later. but um, and And so, you know, there's this whole culture. I'm going to all these doctors. There's a culture out there, y'all. It's... And I just want to tell everybody in the room, it's coming for you. <laughs> and 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 I, I went to a, a throat doctor, ENT, this week and, uh, for another visit. And uh, all of a sudden, my phone rings. I pick up my phone, and it's the doctor's office that I'm sitting in. <laughs> I was like, I'm like "Hello," <laughs> and this girl goes uh, Pastor Locke, I'm, I'm, we're calling you because you missed an appointment. And I said, I'm in the waiting room. And all of a sudden from behind this desk, this cute girl goes, Oh, hi. It was the weirdest moment. And, uh I just, we're learning that Jesus sees us, and, and this is the thing. This is what I, I want us to get, and this is relevance where I want to take you today. Here's what we're, here's what we're building on. We're building on this idea that miracles, when they happen, and they happen. So we, I still believe miracles happen. And miracles happen, and when they do, miracles are an inbreaking of the coming kingdom of God. And I want you to think about this because we pray this often, right? The Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on what? On Earth. as it is in heaven. Do you believe that prayer or not? Yes. And so miracles are an inbreaking of God's coming kingdom. Watch this, though. Pain and tragedy and loss are an uprising of the kingdom of this world as it passes away. And we live in this tension. Think about this comment. Think about this observation. I shared on the East Campus last week. I was watching water boil recently. I was. I was making breakfast and we were gonna have boiled eggs. So I put water on and and I was watching it. Boil. You ever watch water boil? Some of you are going, where is he going with this right now? (laughs) Here's what water does: It, it heats up and it starts to steam. Follow, follow me now. It starts to steam. And then a little bubble happens over here. You ever watch that? Come on now. Thank you. And then another bubble happens over here. And then one happens over here. And then slowly it just starts bubbling. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Miracle happens. in breaking. Tragedy, something happens uprising and you know what god's been telling me in my spirit when i walk with this is part of my work is walking through pe- with people in tragedy did that this week and um, one of the things i often notice every time tragedy happens we'd all agree we've had this in our lives it's chaotic isn't it tragedy is just filled with chaos you know what i've You know what I felt like the Lord was saying to me when I was thinking about that, praying for different families? That's the old kingdom dying. Death knows its days are numbered. Just chaos. And if we're going to understand Scripture right, I believe these two things are in tension all the time, which is why Jesus says we persist in prayer. We're praying for inbreaking. breaking Sometimes uprising happens, but we're praying for in-breaking. Sometimes an uprising happens, and we're living in the tension of that. Now, last week was at the epicenter of that. What I want to do today is I want to take us into a more of a practical miracle, and I want to read to you the story of the feeding of the 5,000. We're going to talk about that. So, this is in John chapter 6. Here's what it says uh, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the sea, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Okay? Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. And when Jesus looked up and he saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread? for these people to eat. Uh, he asked this only to test him, for he was already, already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have just a bite. And another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. And so there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there, and Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. And so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this, this is the prophet who has come into the world. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Let's pray. Lord, would you use this space to increase our faith? Uh, Some of us are in moments of uprising, and what we wanted is is an in-breaking. So come with your presence and come with your power. This we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. When I think about this uh, idea uh, of this this miracle and what I really want you want us to understand and remember what I'm saying a little bit of this every week when we're teaching in series really what I want to do is I want to unfold some truth to you every week that's why it's important to come or to podcast, but, but also we're going to break this stuff out. We're building a bridge together to greater faith. Does that make sense? And when I think about this, uh, I, for me in my own brain, in my own space, I really want to break this down uh, in three ways. I want to talk to you first about what I'm just going to call the backstory, because the backstory always gives us context. I was thinking about this because last week's miracle was about loss. This week's miracle is about gain last week 's miracle was about what was taken from is taken from us sometimes this week 's miracle wants to have a con- invites a conversation about what is given to us. Last week, we talked about redeeming the past. This week, I want to talk to you a little bit about how we increase the future or the present. Does that make sense? So the backstory, the context is important because there 's always a context here's some of the things you may want to know. You may want to just write down, remember them later. They provide the context. Of the backstory of this miracle, there's a lot of connective tissue. I think that begins first of all between this week and last week, because simply this: Jesus went away. Uh, The the reason he went away and people had to come find him was he had just heard about John the Baptist's death, so he was grieving. And so he, the Bible says literally in every other uh, of, the, of the stories, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, not in John, it says that he had gone away because he had learned of his friend John the Baptist's death. So he goes away uh, in, in this deal, and he begins, he withdraws to be by himself, and he crosses the Sea of Galilee. I did a little work on this. The Sea of Galilee at its widest space is eight miles wide. So if he went away, as far as he went away, the farthest he could have gone is just a little bit over eight miles, uh, went up on a mountain. He's at the height of his popularity. And we find the first thing I want us to look at, which is interesting, part of the backstory here, it happens in John chapter 6, verse 5, the first part. It says this in verse A, when Jesus looked up and he saw a great crowd, and I want to draw attention to this because I want you to understand literally what's happening here. First of all, this story is, again, like when you heard me say before, it's unfair that we call uh, uh, we call Thomas, we call him Doubting Thomas. We refer to this miracle. and In fact, even the English translators in my Bible, your pastor's Bible, it says the miracle of the 5,000. That's not fair because the Bible, it begins, it says this, there are 5,000 men. And then we learn later on, it also involves women and children. So scholars who look into this type of thing, it's interesting. They believe, really, that the crowd was probably somewhere around in the nature of 20,000 people. Okay? Uh, and this is interesting. Again, so we know the scale, the scope. Let's, we're just talking about backstory. Here's some of the backstory. Galilee, during the time of Jesus, was about 40,000 people. So here's what I want you to know. Half of Galilee is coming looking for Jesus. So part of the backstory and part of what I want us to understand is this is a lot of people. Then we get to verse, uh, the second part of this verse. Here's some other backstory information I want you to look at. It says there uh, in the second part, it says, he looks to Philip and he says, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? Why would he pick on Philip? Here's why. Philip was from Bethsaida. Bethsaida was about nine miles away. He was the disciple who lived closest to that region. So Jesus is in effect saying, Philip, you're from here. Where's Panera Bread? Where's it at? And so Philip does uh, some math there, and, and then, you know, Philip is, is saying to them uh, in, in this moment that uh, it, it's almost like a rebuke. We get to verse uh, 7, and he's and, 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 and he just talking, and he says, you know, Lord, we're, we're not going to be able to find, we're not, we're not going to be able to do, do the math on this. This is actually uh, not going to work. It's kind of interesting that I think what is really cool um, Again, just part of the backstory, I looked up this thing. The Convention Industry Council Manual says this a seated banquet requires 13.5 square feet per person. Everybody got that? So if you take 13.5 square feet and you multiply that by 20,000 people, you get 6.2 acres of people. Just, just give me a backstory. This is a big deal. And what the reason I want to share with you the backstory, this is what I think is really, really important. What I notice in this space, I find need accompanied by spiritual willingness. And we should all make note of that. Need is accompanied by spiritual willingness. Here are all these people willing to disenfranchise themselves in every way because they just want to get in front of Jesus. Anybody challenged by that? We should be. I was thinking recently about one of the greatest dangers of our faith, and it's the danger of inactivity. Can I, can I just, I want to give you a picture of the most dangerous thing in your house. This is it. No offense to a company, but that's an official lazy boy <laughs> recliner. Okay, And we have a whole culture. We have a whole culture that's missing everything that's going on around them. Because we even have words for it. I want to chill out. I want to veg out. Right? I want to become like a vegetable. That's my goal. Weird. This. What I would want to say. Whoop! Don't. let,. Whoop, whoop! Well, go ahead. I was going to confess. I was trying to decide. I got, I've been sucked into that. Anybody been sucked into that? I, the only thing I want to say, I just want to confess I got sucked into it, but I want to say this. It's not the Hallmark Channel, so I just want everybody to know it's not the Hallmark Channel. But if we go back to the recliner, this, this, this is ruining a lot of stuff in our culture and in our lives and in our faith. And here's what I think God would say to many of us. Get out of the chair and do something with your faith. I talk with people all the time and they tell me, well, their faith is growing. And whenever I probe into it, here's what I I learn all the time. Now I want to cut my meetings to half an hour and just cut to the chase and go, this is kind of what we're talking about, right? Get out of the chair. Do something with it. What you don't use, we know it right. You will what? Lose, thank you. So there's a backstory, there's a context. The other, the other thing I just want to say real quickly about the backstory, about the context te- uh, is, is simply this. All of us have one. Uh, all of us are here and we have some area in our lives where, where we just need to get in front of Jesus. And I just want to ask you, are you, are you willing to do what you need to do? I mean, they were, they were willing to, you know, sit in 6.2 acres with everybody else they knew in town. Everybody knowing their business. Why? They just want to get in front of Jesus because I got a need. Who would it say in here this morning, I got a need? Anybody? My hand's up. Eight of us. I'm working. Okay. It's backstory. Let's move on and talk real quickly about the miracle. This is pretty cool. The miracle happens uh, in verses uh, 8 through 10. Let me read them to you. Put it on the screen there. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, here's a boy with five uh, small barley, loves two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. They sat down there. About 5,000 men were there. Here's uh, an interesting thing uh, about that. When I think about this uh, story, one of the things that I notice is, uh, Andrew's the one who introduces the boy, uh, to Jesus. If you notice Andrew in the scriptures, he, he's always the one introducing people. That's what's cool about him. He's the one who introduced his brother Peter to Jesus. Maybe you remember that. Peter is probably the most well-known disciple. That, that connection came through Andrew. So here's Andrew introducing, uh, this boy and, uh, and the miracle Uh, takes place and what i find interesting about this is that the boy didn't let what he didn't have keep him from offering to the lord what he did and it made a big difference i was reading recently uh carnegie mellon uh, university did a study listen this found it very interesting they devised a study to discover why people respond to the needs of others participants were given an envelope with a charity request letter from an organization called Save the Children. The, te- the study tested two versions of the request letter, one with daunting statistics about the magnitude of the problems facing children in Africa and the other letter spotlighting the needs of one seven-year-old girl named Rokia. The statistical letter, the average gift, was $1.14 on average. The letter about Rokia was over $2.38 to 40 cents, more than double. It's interesting. The smaller donation is in response to the letter, whereas a result of something that they have now termed the drop in the bucket effect. And what they learned was that statistics put people into an analytical frame of mind. Listen to this where our head gets in the way of our heart and reduces our ability to act compassionately. Whenever I read this story, and I notice it's the little boy, he wasn't doing any statistical math there. Do you notice that? What was he doing? Hey, I got this. Can this help? Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you will miss the kingdom of God. We as adults, we got all the answers. And what Jesus is really wanting, he's wanting us to have faith and to respond. We start with what we have. I remember in the early days of our church, I'm just going to say this to brag on our church, Uh, I would meet with a friend of mine, Peter Wellman. uh, The Wellman family is the longest tenured family in our church, I think, other than me and Beth. And I would meet with Pete, and we would have breakfast at Denny's, and we would, I would bring the offering total of our tiny little church, and we'd decide where we were tithing it. And we, the first time we met, it was under $1,000. And we gave almost $300,000, $300,000 last year to missions total. Some of you right now are going, I only got this. Jesus is saying, bring what you have. Start there. Lord, what would my conversation really do in this difficult thing that's going on in my family or in my sphere of influence? Lord, what, what could I really offer that would be a word that would bring hope? Lord, what, what does my meager offering really amount to? And Jesus says, great things. And then lastly, I just want to say real quickly, we'll move to communion. There's the after story, right? And in the after story in verse 14 and 15, notice what it says here. They're going to make him a king by force. Can I just draw a real quick point to this to move on to? There was still learning that had to be done. That's just my point. Nothing sexy about that. The mission of our church is to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ, watch this, but to grow devoted followers. Can I just, can I just lay a tread that would say some of you right now are, are envisioning and trying to bring meaning to difficult things in your life. And I'm going to say this gently, but I want to say it with courage. And you're mishandling the scriptures to do it. And you're missing what God wants to teach you because you still need to grow. And part of the mission of our church is to interest disinterested people, watch this, and grow fully devoted followers. And I don't want to say this with any ego, but every single day when I sit down with my Bible and I read my Bible, I'm often saying, Lord, help me know what I don't yet know. Help me move from the edges of what I know out into the edges of what i don't yet know i want you to know that's one of your pastor's main prayers and so over the years what god has done is taken some very difficult places in my life and he's helped me understand more things and can i just say as a human being i'm still praying around some things because i still don't know but you move from one place to the, to the next. Does that make sense? Uh, before we end, and I know we're we're right on time, I want to I want to lift up four things that I believe real quickly that are are truth for all of us. This is what I wrote down in my journal around this. I want to give them to you right right in line, real quickly. Number one is this: uh, Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Start right where you are right now. Take the faith you have right now and start applying it into your life, into your circumstances, in your situations. Get out of the lazy boy chair and do something right now. Don't despise the day. Move, move, move. Go. Number one. Number two, start right now with what you have. Don't don't go. People say all the time, I'll be, I'll be you know, if I win the lottery, I'll be generous. I'll go, no, you won't. You're not generous now. I mean, generous. Then, number three. Never say someone else's no for them. Philip Phil, Phil, uh, or, or uh, Andrew, uh, here's two loaves and two fi- uh, five loaves and two fishes. What's this going to do? Jesus is like, watch me. Okay, don't even say God's no for him. And then, lastly, this is great. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. What if we all left here today and said, you know, I I can't, like the story I shared with you, I I can't solve the whole problem. I can be part of the solution, though. Does that make sense? Okay, I'll stop preaching now and we'll have communion. (laughs) Bible says, in the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. Isn't that interesting? We're talking about loaves. And he said, this is my body. The Bible says after supper, he took a cup and he said, after he gave thanks, this, this represents my blood shed. And so Jesus was really saying, uh, I'm getting rid of all of this unique system of sacrifice. I'm going to be one sacrifice for it all. And then raised from the dead to prove it. So uh, whenever, I, I, I've had this picture all week long. 20,000 people crossing by boat, running around the lake. Just, I got to get to Jesus. In just a few moments, we're all going to get up out of our chairs and we're coming for Jesus. We're just going to come for him. And so when, when you dip the bread into the juice and receive it, tell him where you need him to meet you. And trust that He will. Because he will. Come in this space, God. Do what you need to do. Do what only you can do. We thank you so much for the ways that you love us and that you care for us. And we know that you're for us and not against us. Your word says that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So in this space, God, give us all the ability to be in Christ Jesus and do what you will do in this space. For we pray in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. Get out of the chair. Step into your faith this week.